sky. Ancient now, aliens. who were these guardians of the sky? Were they just fantasy, or did they really exist? Ramses II and, and all the Egyptian pharaohs, I mean, they saw themselves as direct descendants of gods. And their genetic material and their blood was the same blood that was coming from the gods. And those gods apparently were extraterrestrials. Is it possible, as ancient Is astronaut theorists suggest, that the legends and stories of Osiris, along with the architectural wonders, like the temples of Abu Simbel, provide evidence that the pharaohs of ancient Egypt had, in fact, otherworldly origins. And if so, might similar legends of divine rulers throughout the world reveal extraterrestrial connections? Perhaps the answers can be found by examining the celestial origins of some of Asia's greatest emperors. Xinchang, China. It was here that Wang Di, a mythical ancient leader known as the Yellow Emperor, is believed to have reigned throughout the 27th century BC. Viewed by many as the father of Chinese culture, the Yellow Emperor has been credited with creating traditional Chinese medicine, such as acupuncture, and introducing advancements like wooden houses, the bow and arrow, bronze coins, and a written language. The Yellow Emperor is, according to most Chinese, a legendary figure. He's a cultural hero as well as a ruler. But at the same time, he's also believed to be actually the founder of Chinese civilization. In fact, just about everything that you would think as the basic elements of civilization is somehow associated with the Yellow Emperor. Yellow is the color that it is. According uh, to some researchers, the Yellow Asia. Emperor, like other ancient rulers, possessed otherworldly power. And they believe the proof can be found by looking at the celestial origins of this mysterious leader. Like the Egyptians, the ancient Chinese believed their emperors received their powers and abilities from the heavens. The Chinese emperor is actually called Son of Heaven. What that means is that the emperor earns his right to rule people because he received a certain guidance from heaven to rule. Heaven is always sending down these messages telling the emperor when is the best time to harvest, when is the best time to sow seeds, when to actually wage a war. So um, it's very important for the emperor then to read He's the signs. The earliest writing is on shells. According to ancient Chinese legends, the Yellow Emperor was floating through space. He saw that the people of Earth were sad and poor, but he saw potential. So in order to help the people, he descended from the sky and taught those people different scientific disciplines the Yellow Emperor comes down to bring comfort, order, and leadership to his people. 
So there is a direct connection between the divine realms and the beginnings of our personality, our identity, our nation. According to legend, after ruling for 100 years, the Yellow Emperor made preparations to leave his earthly kingdom. After Wang Di's work was done on planet Earth, he returned to the stars. And he did this by doing something very specific. He installed a cauldron. And the moment he installed that thing, according to the ancient legends, the heavens opened. A yellow dragon comes down from the heavens and he rides the dragon out into the stars and becomes stars himself. A yellow dragon. Mysterious cauldrons. Flying dragons. Could these fantastic notions really have played a part in the fate of China's Yellow Emperor? Or is there another, perhaps more plausible explanation? Are we really just talking about folklore here? Or did something actually happen in real life? And of course the answer is that something was witnessed by our ancestors that they could best describe with the vocabulary that was available to them at the time. When we look at the story of the Yellow Emperor ascending into heaven, this to me sounds like a description of some type of UFO encounter. It's very possible that the Yellow Emperor was actually traveling on a UFO. Is it possible the Yellow Emperor was, in fact, an extraterrestrial being? One that traveled to and from Earth by means of a spacecraft? If so, might there be similar descriptions of close encounters found in historical accounts of other, perhaps even more mysterious, Far Eastern Emperors? Japan, 660 B.C. Emperor Jimu becomes the first ruler of the island nation's imperial family. According to legend, the ancient Japanese also believed Jimu was the direct descendant of the sun goddess, Amaterasu. The Japanese people worshipped a deity named Amaterasu, who was believed to shine like the sun. She sent her descendants to Earth in order to bring order out of chaos. Japan's first emperor, Jimmu, directly connected himself as a descendant of Amaterasu, therefore setting up his lineage and connection to this divinity. He was the man who united Japan's various warring factions into, into one country. And all emperors since Jimmu have all claimed descent from the sun goddess. And the reason why the Japanese flag has this rising sun is that it represents the descent from the sun goddess. Ah. Interesting. According to legend, the sun goddess Amaterasu gave three gifts to Jimu. A mirror, a jewel, and a sword. Known as the Imperial Regalia of Japan, it is believed that with these divine artifacts, Jimu was able to control his empire. 
Apart from the emperor and a few elite priests, no one's ever allowed to see them. So where they are, nobody knows. But it is said that in three separate shrines in Japan, which are also tourist attractions, somewhere deep inside them, the priesthood keeps these secret crown jewels that no one is ever allowed to see. Merci. But what unique powers might these three divine gifts have possessed? Shows the picture. Might they have been not merely symbols of power, but examples of highly advanced extraterrestrial technology? According to legend, this mirror was quite extraordinary. They say in this mirror, he could see what happened at every minute around all the islands in the Pacific Ocean. At every minute. So what is this mirror? Some technical device? So yeah, what is it that we're looking at here? Well, if you look at it from a perspective of misunderstood technology, then next time, you look at your computer monitor and you look at a YouTube clip from, let's say, the Iguazu Falls, then you're looking at a magic mirror that shows you everything in the world. And you have to wonder here whether these objects had more power than just an ordinary thing. And perhaps they were actually highly technical objects given to him by extraterrestrials, by the gods, to help him Come as on, the first Ken. emperor. Might Genius Mirror really have been a technological device given to the Emperor in an effort to help him rule his people? Does it suggest the Emperor was actually an alien being? Or was he a human messenger employed by the gods to impose the notion that otherworldly visitors were to be regarded by humans as gods? Perhaps the proof can be found by examining the legends of other ancient kings and rulers. Rulers who some believe had even more powerful and deadly extraterrestrial technology. November 13th, 2012. Every fall, Hindus throughout the world celebrate in a festival of lights called Diwali. Diwali is a five-day festival of lights, which is as important to the Hindus as Christmas is to Christians. The Hindus celebrate this festival with great reverence. The festival commemorates King Rama, one of the most popular figures of Hinduism. But just who was King Rama? And why is this ancient leader so revered, even to this day? Hindus believe that Rama was a real, physically historical king who lived 7,000 years ago. Now, Rama was supposed to bring writing and enlightenment and philosophy and all sorts of various other engineering skills to humanity. In Hindu mythology, Rama is described as the embodiment of truth and goodness. And it is said that he was a reincarnation of the blue-skinned god Vishnu. According to the Hindu texts, Rama's rise to power began after a battle he waged with a ten-headed demon king named Ravana, 
who had kidnapped his wife. Rama goes in search of his wife who was kidnapped by Ravana. There's a long battle uh, between Ravana and Rama and his army. Rama used an incredibly sophisticated device called the Brahmastra to kill the demon king and rescue his wife. Known to cause severe damage, it was a weapon for which there was no defense. Brahmastra is the most uh, deadliest weapon ever conceived, ever produced in Hinduism. And Brahmastra, obviously, as the name suggests, it was created by God Brahma himself. It was a weapon that was so powerful that when it was used, it would absolutely annihilate the enemy completely. And would also make the whole environment around where the weapon was used completely desolate. What this sounds like is something that we would create today. I mean, it actually sounds like the effects of a nuclear bomb. Might the Brahmastra, as described in ancient Indian texts, really have existed? And if so, where did it come from? Might it have been something like a nuclear weapon, one created by the gods and used by Rama thousands of years ago? In the case of the ancient Indian epics, what we're being told is that this was technology of the gods, that this was extraterrestrial technology, which was somehow used, or at least could be used, on planet Earth, and which could result in the complete destruction or annihilation of the human species. Did King Rama possess a deadly, perhaps nuclear power? If so, do the stories of the Brahmastra help to prove that Rama and other ancient rulers like him descended from extraterrestrial beings? Sanchi, India. Here, 400 miles south of New Delhi, lies the Great Stupa, a dome-shaped Buddhist shrine. This incredible structure was first commissioned in the 3rd century BC by Ashoka the Great, an emperor who ruled over most of India by 263 BC. Ashoka the Great was intent in conquering all of India, so there was one place that he had not been able to conquer, and he finally mounts this attack. It is said that many thousands of people were killed, the soldiers, from both sides. When he went to the battleground, he became very, very moved by this horrendous scene, and then he became a changed man. And he devoted all of his time in propagating the peaceful message of the Buddha. But according to the second century Sanskrit text called the Ashokavadana, there is another, even more profound tale describing Ashoka's transformation from brutal tyrant to religious leader. One that some believe provides evidence of an otherworldly influence. A wandering monk was imprisoned by Ashoka, throws this man into a cauldron and wants to boil him alive. 
At this point, the monk levitates up into the air. The eyewitness reports say that the monk's body was half fire and half flowing water. Ashoka was so amazed by what he saw that he completely shut down the torture prisons. After Ashoka's conversion, he gets so engaged in the Buddhist tradition that he begins building stupas, most notably the one at Sanchi. Like other stupas throughout Asia, Ashoka's great monument has become one of the most important places of Buddhist pilgrimage. Pilgrims would make a visit to the stupa in order to receive blessings and prayer energy. Ashoka built stupas and other structures throughout Asia that were inscribed with his teachings. And from this, we get the idea that he was trying to communicate through stone throughout time and generations. But just what was Ashoka trying to communicate? Is it possible, as some researchers believe, that Ashoka had experienced an extraterrestrial encounter? And if so, might stupas actually represent something much more technological? and with origins even more out of this world. When you look at the structure of these stupas, it certainly appears as if there may be some reference being made in their shape to actual extraterrestrial piloted vehicles. This may be related to the Hindu legend of the Vimana, which is allegedly a noiseless wingless aircraft that flies through the air. Vimanas are described in the uh, Hindu epics, and their mission is to uh, transport uh, gods primarily, and the gods are the uh, owners of these uh, vehicles because they are uh, worthy of uh, traveling through space very fast. These people built in stone objects which they seem to have seen in the sky in flight, at some point, no doubt, landed on the surface of the earth as well. When these objects left, they began to build them in stone so that they would have reminders that this was the instruments in which the gods came to them. Might the great stupa really have been built to symbolize Vimanas, the mythological flying machines described in ancient Hindu texts? And if so, might this provide even more compelling proof that powerful leaders like Rama and Ashoka the Great were in direct contact with extraterrestrial beings. Perhaps additional evidence can be found at the extraordinary bloodline of one of the most powerful and enduring royal families in human history. London, England, June 2012. Queen Elizabeth II celebrates her Diamond Jubilee, commemorating 60 years on the British throne. The 87-year-old monarch presides over the United Kingdom and 15 Commonwealth realms, with a combined population of more than 134 million people. Her grandsons, Prince William and Prince Harry, are heirs to the throne in the line of succession after their father, Prince Charles. 
but from where does the British monarchy claim its authority? And what are the origins of its vast wealth and symbolic power? Queen Elizabeth II has sat on the throne since 1952, and she has huge prestige because the royal family in this country is one of the most successful organizations, institutions in the world. One of the most important things for any leader is their bloodline to be continued. We want the best for our own children, our own offspring, as if it's some form of immortality. The succession of power in ancient civilizations depended very much on bloodlines. Bloodlines. Like other European monarchies, the British royal family has fiercely protected the integrity of its bloodlines for thousands of years. Thereby but why? What exactly is so unique or significant about royal bloodlines? Yeah. Various leaders of ancient cultures went to considerable lengths to make sure that their own bloodline continued as the, um, the ruling elite. For example, <laughs> the pharaohs of Egypt married their own sisters or mothers. The famous Tutankhamun was married to his own sister. And previous to that, he was married to his own grandmother so that they could keep the blood within the same family. So if you were of the same blood, Osiris, Ramesses, Alexander II, Leonidas of Sparta, you had some kind of claim to recognition. In the ancient world, it was seen as extending to the right to rule. It gave legitimacy, it gave continuity, it gave certainty. That is still recognized in some respects now. We have had, for instance, father and son presidents in the United States. We've had a series of members of the same family running India. We have even had tyrannies in North Korea, father-son inheritance. It's extraordinary the extent to which this still exists. It is important for people to feel their leaders are extraordinary, not common. So much is focused on the bloodlines. Have they descended from the gods? Have they descended from rulers that were unusually exceptional? And it was something that they would obviously pass on into the successive generations. So that if you had that blood, you also had that power of connection with the gods. According to some researchers, the bloodline of Queen Elizabeth II can be traced all the way back to that of a mythical deity named Woden. If we look closely, the current monarch, Queen Elizabeth II, could trace lineage to Woden through the kings of Wessex. Woden is supposedly an ancient king. He is obviously a variation on the Norse god Odin or the German Wotan. But he is a mighty, powerful, furious leader, a semi-god or a god in his own right. He is also a warrior leader, so he is a very exciting, ecstatic energy. Now, interestingly, the legends associated with this god Woden was that usually around midwinter, the god Woden would lead a great hunt 
across the sky. All these horsemen would be seen flying across the sky. It's described that when Woden would pass overhead, that people would witness seeing strong winds and hearing thunderous claps of sound. And Woden, in some legends, was said to have been seen riding an eight-legged horse. In ancient English legends, Woden was known as the god of wind, and whenever he appeared, he flew across the sky in a fiery eight-legged horse. Uh -huh. Now, what does that mean? Whatever it was they encountered that they witnessed up in the sky uh -huh. could best be described as an eight-legged horse because they didn't have the vocabulary for spacecraft. But did, as mainstream scholars suggest, Queen Elizabeth's ancestors simply claim a blood connection to Woden yeah. in an effort They're to strengthen German. and legitimize their reign? Or is it possible that the British monarch is an actual flesh and blood descendant of otherworldly beings? Tracing royal lineage back to a god implies great wisdom, almost celestial power, a connection to the divine, truly making the gods on our side. Kings and queens all over the world, uh, particularly in Europe, they are from a special bloodline, and they make a big deal of that. So you have to ask yourself, what is it about their blood, as opposed to other people's blood, that's so special? Might ancient royalty's possible extraterrestrial origins explain why monarchs have protected their bloodlines for centuries? Or might there be another, even more biological reason? What if the proof could be seen with the naked eye? Not in ancient monuments or deciphered texts, but in our own DNA. The Mongol Empire in the 13th century AD. This massive kingdom, one that stretched from the Caspian Sea to the Sea of Japan, was forged by the Emperor Genghis Khan, uniting the nomadic tribes of Northeast Asia. Historians believe that by the time of his death in 1227, Genghis Khan ruled over as many as 100 million people. Many people think of the great empires of the world, such as the Roman Empire, the Empire of Alexander the Great, or the British Empire. The greatest in landmass area the world has ever seen was the empire of Genghis Khan. He and his immediate descendants conquered all of China, conquered most of what's now Russia, and half of Europe. It was an astonishing empire and built by people who had had really no proper civilization before that. Although generally believed to be a brutal and bloody conqueror, Genghis Khan also brought communication, technology, justice, and prosperity to his people. He attributed his success to Tengri, the god of the eternal blue sky. 
Genghis Khan was known to disappear for decades and climb the most sacred mountain of Asia in order to commune with Tengri, who imparted to him not only battle plans, but spiritual capability that made him the amazing leader that he was. Genghis Khan believed Tengri to be his sky father and claimed that he had a direct genetic connection with Tengri. He even referred to himself as a man from the sky. Now, if this is actually the case, Genghis Khan might have some type of extraterrestrial component to him. We know that scientifically today, one in 200 people can actually be traced back to Genghis Khan. So if Genghis Khan does have any extraterrestrial genetics to him, it's possible that over 16 million people now share this same gene. Is it possible that Genghis Khan did, in fact, have extraterrestrial ancestry, as he himself claimed? And if so, might evidence of that alien biology appear in certain bloodlines, even today? London, England, January 2013. Researchers at the University College London announced their discovery of a unique DNA sequence. One that suggests that some people may, in fact, be born to lead. Comparing DNA samples taken from sets of twins, both fraternal and identical, scientists were able to determine that as much as 24% of leadership behavior could be attributed to genetics. These are classical twin studies. The identical twins are uh, genetically identical. Non-identical twins are basically like siblings. The kids were asked whether in their job they supervised someone or they did not supervise one. This was the question the research team associated with leadership quality, yes or no. Minor changes in the genetic composition were then correlated with the incidence of having a leadership or not having a leadership based on the answer to the question. And it was demonstrated that one particular genotype associates with having a leadership role. Before this, it was assumed that leadership was learned. But now we know that leadership has a direct genetic component to it, and it can in fact be inherited. But is it really possible that the world's legendary leaders might have shared a common genetic trait, a so-called leadership gene? And might this gene have been not a product of genetic evolution, but inherited by mankind from some otherworldly source? Long, long time ago, the gods from outer space were on Earth, and they definitely made a genetical change with some of our humans. These humans, obviously, are of a little higher level than the rest of mankind. Just like today, we want to view our leaders as as being special, smarter than us, more capable. And it's the same thing in ancient times too. The rulers were special. They somehow had God in their bloods. They were descendants of the gods. They had special DNA. One thing is certain, and that is, if it wasn't for these ancient peoples believing that their kings and emperors were divine, there is very little to have held these early civilizations together. 
and believing that your leader was somehow a god or descended from a god kept people together and so it's a part of survival of the human race many of our greatest rulers were guided or influenced directly according to what they say by celestial beings perhaps it is this influence that gave some of these rulers the capacity to change human history were there really extraterrestrial influences steering the emperors kings and pharaohs of the ancient world and if so does this mean that the blood of the so-called gods flow throughout the veins of today's monarchs but in the dna of millions of people living throughout the world the implications are both astonishing and profound because it may not be that we need to wait for earth's alien ancestors to return it may be they are already here Jeez, what a fucking noisy bird. 